All right, so we're talking about mechanics today on the episode. Yeah. Where's the Where's a list of like board game mechanics? I don't think we have one of them. Let's check BGG. Yeah. This is This is totally incomplete. Like there's there's so many things here that I Co-op isn't a mechanic. All right, hang on. I'm going to check categories. Yeah, these are absolutely mechanics. This is Oh, this is ridiculous. We'll just we'll just make it up as we go. Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm Greg B, joined today by Jacob. Hello. By Leslie. Hey. And by Hunter. hey And we are going to be talking about our least favorite board game mechanics. These are mechanics that we either just despise or we refuse to play a game involving them. And it's some pretty tense emotion in this episode, so <laughs> be prepared. Strong opinions. Yes, yes. Uh, but in the meantime, we've Us actually... strong opinions? Psh, nah. <laughs> um, it's not like we're reviewers or anything. <laughs> we've actually got quite a lot to cover on what we've been playing, so we're going to try to try to run down some of that. Anybody want to go first? I played Spirit Island. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. Surprise. All right. All right. So, all right. Let's 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 see if we can judge what the next one is. You taught some new people. There was uh, lots of explosions and you rebuffed the invaders. Yes. Yep. Oh, I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I played um, River. My friend who had played before played Oceans. And the two new players played Lightning and uh, Earth Guy, who's, I can't remember all their names. Earth Guy. Earthy make Earth face. Yeah. Earth. <laughs> It took like three or four rounds to generate enough fear to get a card Oof. because, yeah. Oh, yeah. None of you. Well, Oceans, but. Oceans, but she was had never played that spirit before. So yeah. I was like, you're innate powers. Fear. Every turn. She's like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was that was rough. Um but yeah, I did actually clear my entire board. Nice. I would clear the whole board and then an invader would pop up and I would <laughs> you just deal with it. Well, Mark. multiple times actually the Dahan dealt with it for me. So I lucked out. But yeah. Very nice. Spirit nice. Island. All right. Cool. I got to play a game called Guild Hall, which was fun. Hmm. This was deceptively entertaining. I wasn't a big fan of the art. Like if I had seen this on a, a game store shelf, I would probably not have bought it. But it was fun to play. Uh, you've basically got different guilds. There's like half a dozen different guilds, which are like the Dancer's Guild, the Farmer's Guild, the Assassin's Guild, whatever. The Lollipop Guild? Not that I recall. <laughs> that could be in an expansion, though. Ooh, I bet that's a Kickstarter exclusive. Ooh, yep, probably, yep, probably. And then within each guild, you have five different copies of each of that specialist that are different colors. So you have like a red farmer, a green farmer, blue farmer, two other colors. I forget what they're. And the goal of the game is to play out a set of all five different color specialists, complete them, it turns into what's called a completed chapter, and then you spend those chapters to get points. But along the way, as you play out members of that faction, you get bonuses. So when you play out your first, like, dancer, you don't get anything. But if you play a, a dancer with one already on the field, you get to draw cards. And the more dancers you have out, the more cards you draw. So there's this tension between wanting to complete the chapters so that you can get points and wanting to sort of maintain this like three on the field and playing your fourth one so that you maximize the bonus but don't actually complete the set it's pretty interesting it's pretty compelling this is a I, game that i've been wanting to try it yeah i would i mean we played it twice uh and i would absolutely play it again hmm. so. and now tiny dancer is stuck in my head <laughs> <laughs> you mean tony danza yeah 
Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. That's reasonable. <laughs> I should I should have gone with a different. Tiny assassin doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. yeah. Hold me closer. Tiny assassin. No. Yeah, <laughs> you do not want that. No. no. <laughs> All right, Hunter. What have you been playing? Oh, so many things. I'll go with the ones that are easiest to talk about and work my way down. So we've played Concordia Venus again. Nice. This time with nice. four players and actually knowing all the rules correctly from the get-go. That probably helps. Not having anyone try to break them? Yeah, well, you know what? The Legatus oh, thing came up again. I was like, no, there's no extra actions you can get. No way. It's it, funny how rules get lost in that tiny rule book, though. Yes. Because like, mm-hmm. he was like, I can't find the rules on how much starting money we have. It's a... What, That's six? a pretty basic rule. There were also two rules that we got wrong when we played it at oh, for Origins. What? Um, you guys got rules wrong? They were just where you like start, and also each player like starts with one less card. The start like player of each team has no diplomat, and the next player has no architect. And the, huh. all the players past the first set of players all start in any city on the board instead of the capital oh. city, which really changed things up a lot. It I does can imagine. A lot. Um, so it was, I don't want to play that again. It was a lot <laughs> yeah. of fun, and uh, unfortunately, just by randomness, my other friend that is also very good at this game sat opposite of me, so mm. we crushed the other people by like over double their score. Uh, like when I, we were on the way to our friend's house, I was like, "You can't be on a team with Rob," <laughs> and he was like, "Well, but well, well, but you and Tiff, Tiff being Rob's wife." You and Tiff would be a really good team. I was like, okay, well, if Tiff and I are on a team, you and Rob could be on a team. But Tiff and I were not playing. It was two people <laughs> who had never played Concordia before. Yeah. So it was not, it was not fair. Yeah, at the same game day, I played Las Vegas, which is kind of just a, you get a handful of dice, you roll them, you pick all of the same number of dice, you know, all the fives, all the ones, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you put those on the corresponding pot. And then whoever has the most dice on one of the six pots between the you know dice rolling of one, two, three, four, five, six gets the money in that pot. So it's just trying to kind of almost like board control, area control, but just with some dice. And it just feels like you're in Vegas trying to make some money. Huh. Simple, quick, plays up to five. It was nice. I liked that. Also played another push your luck game called Port Royal, which was just a deck of cards. And both of these were taught to us by a non-native English speaker. So... It was kind of interesting to just experience that dynamic of someone coming at us that wasn't great with English, but still able to teach us these games. Port Royal was basically a game of pushing your luck, drawing cards from the top of a deck and not trying to get multiples of the same color, but you're trying to build up a bunch of cards and then you get to buy one of them. And then you pass the cards you got out around the table and everyone else can buy them and they have to pay you some money to buy them. So that was actually kind of interesting. Hmm. I don't know if I loved it. I think the art was one of the things that set me back, but some of the ideas in it were neat. And then I also played Century with all the games combined again, and I enjoyed it even more this time than I did before. I think it might be my favorite way to play any of the Century games. Nice. You, have, you haven't played all the options. I have not, but I, have, I definitely enjoy this over <laughs> all the base games. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Good. I'm glad it holds up. I got to play a lot. I, we played a lot of games together recently because we had some friends over. Yep. And Between Two Castles hit the table a few times. Always good. A lot of fun. I think, you know, we managed to teach that pretty quickly as well. Uh, our friend had mentioned like Between Two, two Cities and I'm like, well, we have Between <laughs> Two Castles. Have you heard about <laughs> the, the new and improved? Um, and so that was a lot of fun. We had some really interesting castles come up. I think I, I made one that was pretty much just a tunnel. 
just going all the way down, like yeah. getting all the basement points. A lot of asymmetrical castles. Yeah. So I, I definitely enjoyed that. And then we recently actually played some Gloomhaven in which we completely blitzed a scenario. Oh, we did. We crushed we, it. You guys didn't get killed this time? We did not we get did murdered. Not. Wow. We're, we're finally, I think we're three games past the third level yeah. or like in terms yeah. of enemies that, that we're still alive. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it is quite surprising. Yeah. This time, like, I mean, I think we finished the game like total, like within less than an hour. I don't remember. This was the one where we had to stand on the pressure yes. plates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. Cause it wasn't a kill all the enemies yeah. situation. So we, we basically just like popped our boots of striding, popped our winged boots and got to where we needed to get. And we're like, all right, we're done. Well, because <laughs> I mean, we had to go through corridors filled with like ancient cannons and shit. And we were like, we're not going to survive. I think at the end of round one, I had two health left. I was like, we just go, 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 go. You also made some really bad decisions. I made terrible decisions. I made content choices. <laughs> I got an item for it. I don't remember what that item was. But. I think it was an alchemical blade or something. Yeah, that's right. It's the sword that's on fire. Yeah. But not one. like magical fire, like like normal fire. <laughs> <laughs> like, just that with any sword? like that katana from Fallout 3 with the gas tank. Didn't you have a flaming sword? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Good omens. In- oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, a, that was a funny oh, scene. Yeah. Uh, many scenes. Did yeah. you have a flaming <laughs> Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, that, that, was a, that was a fun... I had forgotten about that, actually. Yeah. Um, well, there you have it. That's a quick look at what we've been playing. Welcome back to Dragon's Demise. Today, we thought we would do something a little different, which is to say... We didn't want to review a game. We wanted to talk about something different. So I suggested after having a long rant this last weekend about my least favorite game mechanic that maybe other people would be interested in hearing about our least favorite game mechanics and we could talk about it. And everybody thought that'd be a great idea. To start things off, my rant was about card drafting. I have a long known hatred of card drafting, which I discovered from a game called Fairy Tale, which by Uh, all accounts, yeah, that's a game. Right? It's kind of a game, I guess. <laughs> um, by all accounts, I should love this game because it's covered in fairies and it's got pretty pictures and all of these things. And I just couldn't understand why we were passing these cards back and forth and how that was supposed to be a game and how that was supposed to be entertaining. And every time the cards ended up in my hands, I was so stressed out. <laughs> and that was it. There was nothing more to that game other than... Pass the cards, pick one, pass the cards, pick one. And it just seemed, well, dumb. Honestly, I didn't like it at all. So every time card drafting mechanics come up in a game, Hunter's like, so I think you might like this game, but I just want to warn you, there's a little bit of card drafting, but it'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) For example, Blood Rage has mm-hmm. card drafting at the beginning, and you card draft the cards. To I was going to ask what makes round. that okay for you when because there's more game later. It's not the whole game, so I had and it doesn't last for very long. Like Terraforming Mars, there's a mm-hmm. little bit of card drafting at the beginning, but there's so much more game to that to look forward to that I kind of just put up with it. Okay, but if the card drafting is the whole game, I'm out. I'm done. I'm so just is there not like, interested. Is there like a critical mass for you? Like at what point does, what constitutes enough game that isn't <laughs> card drafting? Well, clearly Blood Rage and, and Terraforming Mars. I was actually going to ask about Terraforming Mars. <laughs> yeah, because there's 
other parts of the game there's other parts of the puzzle to mm -hmm. worry about so i can think about that and that helps me decide what cards to choose yeah and i know that it'll be okay there's also other ways to get cards in that game yeah i think when it's the core mechanic of the game and like some games are just deck building right there's nothing else other than deck building there's right. nothing mm -hmm. else other than the card drafting i just don't think that's a very good game there's mm -hmm. not a lot of strategy to it. There's not a lot of entertainment value. It's just the stress of deciding <laughs> what card to choose. Didn't we play Sushi Go together at some point at a no. party? It came out and you were like, you won't like this game. It's card drafting. <laughs> and I said, mm, I'm out. <laughs> Very fair. So card drafting to me is, is you know, you have a hand of cards, take it and pass it and, mm -hmm. um, and that. Are other games that are, for example, one of our favorites is Fantasy Realms. Right. Would that fall under that umbrella for you? You notice I've never played it with you. You've played it once with us. I watched it played. You watched the play? <laughs> you, didn't actually, you didn't actually play it that I time? I didn't play. No. I, <laughs> guess that, I guess that answers your that, question. <laughs> that answers my question. Yep. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Is there any sort of like consistency to which supporting mechanics do make it more interesting or like is there any consistency to card drafting in support of like hand management or action selection like in terraforming mars versus i i've never played blood rage but like whatever that going at like what you've never played blood rage nope. i've never played blood rage crazy um but yeah like is there is there some particular combination that you find more compelling or less compelling or is it just I think it's better in Terraforming Mars than in um, Blood Rage. I, I think the less random it feels, the more likely it is to be acceptable. Okay. <laughs> I'm acceptable. That, that makes total sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in, in Terraforming Mars, when you're card... Well, in the beginning, you kind of don't know, but you're building an engine and there's goals and you can kind of have a better idea what to look for. Mm -hmm. Fairy tale, like... Like literally all you're doing is picking a card and passing it and hoping that it doesn't... It comes together. It, it comes together, right? It's it's very random. There's got to be an element of strategy beyond just picking a card and hoping. Right. <laughs> Fair enough. Is that why something like Between Two Cities is more okay? Because you'll play that game sometimes. Yeah. Because you're like working with a partner after and it's not just random because you're working with someone else. Right. And there's also, and I don't love it in that game either, I'll be honest. Mm. But like between two castles, the pictures and the rooms are entertaining enough and the interaction between the other players are entertaining enough that I'm willing to play it. But I probably wouldn't be the first. It, it's never going to be like mm -hmm. a top 10 game for me. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So there we go. No card drafting for Leslie. Yeah. That's what we've learned. <laughs> so how do you guys feel about so uh, I'm going to go for a, a little bit of an unpopular choice here, and that's trading. Mm. So games that include having to barter with the other people at the table for things is something that I absolutely just dislike doing. Like this, of course, starts with Catan. Yep. I mean, <laughs> yep. that is the quintessential example of this happening. And then like w whenever I play with my friends, they would assume that I'm pulling one over on them and therefore would never trade with me and that always sucks and then just like the 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 whole having to convince the other players that 
this deal is going to be good for them and trying to almost get like something better of from that deal than than like whatever what anyone else gets just to me it's, it's just that's not fun i i would much rather like you know have um things that are not defined by negotiation with between players so what if the trading wasn't a zero-sum game even then i uh Sidereal confluence when mm -hmm. i played that i played the trading faction and absolutely despised it but you enjoyed the game not really oh, oh okay <laughs> because uh, because i was playing that faction I mean, it's the only time i played right. so i can't say if i would enjoy the game with another faction mm -hmm. but the fact that uh, that like there's so much trading in that game there is yeah and like the fact that you just need to like you know go and, and like you know try to like uh, work with everyone else to try to like you know get that other thing and that one is probably better than others because you do have like shown like what other people want pretty much because like you see it out there like you know they need this much for to get the, these other cubes and things like that but even then so do you think it gives some players an unfair advantage to playing the game it could give some players an unfair advantage. I think I'm just not good at like actually thinking about you know what I should offer, and it's like for me it's just like you know something's offered. I, I I'm not good at bartering. I'm not good at being like yeah no how about we do this or how about we do that. It's like either I'll give you an offer, take it at face value, or don't take it at all. Like, she sounds like a real accountant right there. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I was also curious yeah. if you may have had some of your experiences with this because you're probably one of the people that introduces games to other people. So you may suffer from the same problem that I suffer from sometimes and also in like competitive head-to-head -head games where people think you're going to win from the get-go so they are like less likely to favorably do things in for you. Oh, what did that it's just happen true. with? There was a game we were playing where you you just full-on like drew aggro at the start and nobody... Oh, it was um, not Vast. The other one, the new one. Root. Root. You were playing the Riverwood Traders or yes. whatever. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's a big <laughs> one. Yeah, that's actually one that probably solidified this. Right. right. The Riverwood Traders. Why did you play the, the Trader faction in a game when you hate trading? <laughs> I, I I think it was actually, it was one of those that we really wanted to try out the new okay. new factions. Yeah. Like there were the two new ones that we were playing and we're just like one of us was going to take the cult, the other one was going to take the Traders. And like the thing, the worst part about this is that I like the idea of trading, mm. but I hate actually doing it <laughs> like i mean it sounds like a cool thing because like that's a faction that you're not actually fighting anyone you're just like working on like you know trying to play all sides and that kind of stuff that sounds cool i can't fucking do it <laughs> yeah so i don't i don't love trading i just make my stuff look really attractive and let people come to me <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned a little bit with sort of like you know you're bad at trading in the sense that you're bad at knowing like what a deal is and those sort of things but you're pretty good at like independent valuation when it comes to an analyzing like to fall back on terraforming mars if you have a hand of cards you're deciding what to keep you know what fits with your strategy like you know how to assess value is it just the unknown of what the other person wants and like what they're is that what throws it off or like i mean i think a lot of it is actually what hunter was saying where it's just like if it's like uh something that people can see is going to benefit me they're not going to do it sure yeah no that's true so it's just like i have to figure out a way to make it so that it's benefiting the other person enough which is usually detrimental to me to in order for it to be beneficial enough for me mm -hmm. that they will be willing to do it yeah well, it's the persuasive arguing like and that's the, that's another part that i'm just not good at yeah <laughs> yeah because i've definitely seen people who are really good at sweet talking people out of their stuff and you're like well <laughs> i guess you know i didn't get that skill on my character sheet so yep. uh, <laughs> exactly bump your charisma yeah. It's not just a dump stat. But, well, I don't know. 
know, because I feel like I have charisma, but I am not always good at persuasion. No, all right. True. Yeah, that, no, True. that's fair. That's real. So, mm -hmm. white wolf rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, what games are there that you don't mind playing that have training? I'll actually say Root is one of them, mm -hmm. because like that does have training, but I don't have to be the person who's training. Right. So that helps a lot. And I think it, uh, similar to you with card drafting, when trading is not necessary almost to win like it's just a benefit that like you might be able to trade something and like you know it's like hey like there's this this thing or or like an exchange that doesn't really require as much negotiation mm -hmm. where like you just have to you know be like hey i've got this and i the only thing we can trade for this is this other thing sure let's let's do that or something along those lines or the values are more set yeah yeah, yeah. exactly that makes sense hunter you or me rock paper scissors one, two, three, shoot. One, two, three, shoot. Yeah, you won, Greg. I won, so I go first? Yes. I guess, okay. I guess you have to pick. I, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. So for mine, my least favorite mechanic is take that or gotcha. Gotcha. I, exactly. I hate <laughs> it. I can't stand it. Right. We mentioned you know, When you said this earlier, I was like, oh, that's a really good one. We, we mentioned, we've mentioned before on the podcast how much we hate Munchkin, and Munchkin is a game that's driven entirely by the take that ethic. You know, you've got, yeah, technically you're acquiring stuff to build your stuff up, but really the goal of the game is to screw other people over. You're playing cards that have no impact except to ruin another player's action. Yeah. And that just, I, I hate it. I can't yeah, stand it. Yeah, I have it. no idea why you would hate that. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about sort of the origin of this for me, it's Dominion. So in the base mm. game Dominion, there's that card Witch which you play it and just, I think it's another player or possibly each other player. Each other player. Gains curse card. I hate it. I hate <laughs> it. We, we play our home rules. We deal out the 10 cards. Every player at the table gets one veto. If witch is on the field, I will veto it out of hand. I don't care what else is on the field. You can have mm -hmm. bureaucrats. You can have other attack cards, which in particular serves no function except to screw over your opponents. And I hate it. Yeah, that's where it's Have you ever found yourself playing a game that has take that? that has cards that aren't take that or mechanics that aren't take that where you actually actively do the thing that is opposite of take that on someone else just to make the game end faster. <laughs> you mean like give them something so that they'll win so that the game ends faster? Yeah. Um, no <laughs> like Monopoly? That's <laughs> <laughs> all my money. I default. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, honestly, yeah, probably Monopoly. I mean, Monopoly is just a form of take that where you don't get to actively do it. You just passively take that people. Nothing comes to mind, but I could totally see myself doing that with a game like, you know, the aforementioned Munchkin. Actually, I think there may have been a game of Munchkin where I just straight up, like, declined to use cards that would have stopped someone from winning just so that it would end earlier. Mm -hmm. So maybe not, like, actively helping them win, but mm. declining to stop them Failing from winning. in your game duty to right. carry out the... Exactly, exactly. Sort of, I stopped buying into the premise of the game, which was that I should stop everybody else from winning. Did you find that the people you were playing with in any of those cases, were, their gaming experience was diminished because you did not do that? Um, if it was, they didn't tell me about it. <laughs> um, thinking specifically about that game of Munchkin, hey, it was getting into its like second hour. Mm. So uh, yeah, I think everybody sort of wanted to be done with it. And I think <laughs> I probably wasn't the only one at the table who held on to spells that could have prolonged the game. Uh, but no, I think for the most part, I haven't really gotten negative reactions or negative feedback when i have just kind of thrown out my hands in disgust <laughs> that's always my worry because i've i feel like 
I've been in your, that situation and I'm just like ready for this to be over and I'm going to just help someone win actively. Right. The small part of me is worried that I'm ruining the game for everybody else, but I'm like, I should have just not played this game. I think there's sort of a difference of a situation. So like actively helping one player win, the thing that stands out most for me is Inish. We, mm-hmm. had a, we had a game where it was very much a kingmaker situation. There were three people yeah. and one person helped another person win. And that sort of left a salty taste in the mouth of the yeah. person who got beaten out. But, you know, that's that was less of a take that and more just a, an exasperation like this person's in third place. So I'm just going to play Kingmaker type situation, mm. which felt a little bit different. Have you played Talisman? I have not played Talisman. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. You shouldn't. I should, okay, I should not. All right. No. That adds that it's to the list. not a take that sort of situation. It's just so freaking random. There's a little bit of take that, I think, from what I recall. I feel like there was times know. you could kind of like it wasn't directly take that but it was definitely you could mess with someone else occasionally that sure game definitely lasted four hours longer than it should have <laughs> so i was thinking about games where take that maybe would be acceptable i recently played guild hall for the first time i played a couple games at guild hall and there's two cards that i would describe as take that mm-hmm. in guild hall there's the assassins which just destroy cards in your opponent's guilds that's it that's all they do and that I don't like. That's just take that with no redeeming quality. But there's another card called Traitor, which steals cards from your opponent's guilds mm-hmm. and gives them an equal number of cards from your own guilds. Mm. So that one feels a little bit better. Like it's still, you're still screwing someone over mm-hmm. for the most part. But A, they're getting something in return, even if it's not something that they want and it's probably something they don't want. And B, it's actually a productive play for the player. Like, it's, it's a play that has more effect than just someone else's detriment. You're actually gaining some benefit from it. Whereas with the assassins, that's just a purely attack. Hmm. Like, right. And so that's, I think, the, the difference. Like, if you screw someone over incidentally, mm-hmm. that feels different than doing something deliberately to harm them. And then for, having that be the point of the game, pretty much. Right, exactly, exactly. And well, I think like, that's where it comes down to. You know, I think about Bruges. Bruges has several cards in it that are kind of a screw over everybody else. And every time I get them, I'm like, oh, I'm building a house. <laughs> <laughs> but yet when we play with some other people, the game almost feels PvP because they enjoy that play. That can be really difficult for me to play with them. Yeah. I think in that particular game, I mean, it's one of my favorites. It's easy to still be successful in that game, even if other people are doing take that and you choose not to. I only usually take that as a revenge mechanism. If someone you know, messes me over, I'll be like time for some vengeance but otherwise i will not and yeah. i've seen other people not do anything aggressive to other players while there's multiple aggressors in the game and they will win yeah well i i agree because i will still play that game i will say that there are people that i won't play those kinds of games with mm-hmm. because they get very i don't know what the term is but they get very aggressive and then i just want to tear them down and <laughs> that's not a part of me i enjoy so I just, sometimes I will specifically avoid playing those kinds of games with certain people. And there was also a game I backed on Kickstarter, Unfair. I didn't realize how screw over your... How I mean, unfair it, how unfair it was that be. game was. Like, we played it once, and there's, there's a version you can play where you don't use any of those rules. Sure. And I was like, I can't play this game with anyone. So I, ultimately, I had to trade it. I, think, I don't think it got traded away, but I think it is on our list of games to get traded because... I don't think I'm ever going to play it. And it's not a bad game. 
but uh yeah it's just a little overwhelmingly what i would call pvp and i guess you would take that yep yeah Mm -hmm. all right last but not least hunter i actually struggled with the last minute change up but i'm not gonna do it okay I was thinking, You're not going to pull a fast one on us? I was thinking one of the things that I have learned to dislike in games is when the point of doing things is just to generate points. Yeah, you were no, mentioning that, yeah. no particular direction other than that. You mean the last turn in every Euro game? Well, <laughs> yeah, and you know, the last turn of every Euro game is the least interesting. It's true, it's but, true. Oh, somebody's already ended the game. Where can I get the most yeah, points? Let's but, just maximize, yeah. I think that it is still trumped by roll to resolve yeah and i will say that my only exception to this is if it's anything rpg-esque i don't mind roll to resolve so like dungeon crawls i don't mind it there are certainly if if there's some mitigation involved or you know if, if there's a lot of dice rolling so like over the course of time like some poor dice rolling doesn't totally hose you sure then it doesn't bother me but especially in anything like Eurogame-esque, Roll to Resolve is so painful when you are you know, banking on this thing giving you anything and then it gives you nothing. Mm-hmm. That hurts me. It just makes me feel like, why am I playing this game if I'm not going to get anything? Right. And yeah. well, I mean, the possibility of just an unmitigated failure that you couldn't control, like that you couldn't safeguard against, it's just pure randomness, whether that's a roll of the die or a flip of the cards, like that sucks. And I will say that a lot of games now have started using dice more than before, but I really like the direction that a lot of designers are taking dice now, where you roll the dice ahead of time and then you allocate those dice, or you are you know rolling dice that are going to be affecting everyone equally. So like Coimbra, you know, yeah, I haven't played that, but or Lorenzo. Lorenzo or Bruges because. Mm-hmm. The dice do a lot of things. They do some good things. They do some bad things, but they do those things to everybody. Everyone has to deal with the consequences of those things. Well, and you have the information ahead of time. Yeah. I think that that's very important to me. And I also think that rolling the dice to determine like how much stuff you get might not be that bad as long as you always get something. But the idea of carrying out an action and getting nothing. I th- the the best modern example I can think of that we tried recently was Atlantis Rising. Yeah, I, yeah, where I was yep. just thinking that. I was doubly screwed by an event from the deck and then by rolling poorly. And like that first turn stuck with me and still sticks with me like to this moment when it's been weeks since we played that demo. Yeah. yeah. And just thinking about how any game design I would ever do, I would never want to have that happen to someone because it was so frustrating. Yeah. Even though we puzzled the crap out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's weird when you managed, and that was a co-op game, and and we won, and we did some really cool things. But it almost felt empty by that point for me. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take your thing and extrapolate a little bit. So not necessarily a role to resolve, but sort of randomness and getting screwed by randomness. So a game like <laughs> Pandemic, where mm-hmm. you can do everything right, you can shore up all the things you need to do, and if you get unlucky with a flip of the infection deck you can just end up getting an outbreak and like precipitating the end of the game is that like do you feel like that gives you enough control or is that i feel like you know this actually makes me think of our interview with isaac childress when we were talking about the hit deck instead of using a die how it changes the curve Mm -hmm. it changes the probabilities 
And just knowing that there's some logic to the probability curve helps helps me feel better with it. Because like that was such a great system to have a deck, even, even having a deck of cards of one to six and knowing that after you flip the one, you're not going to flip another one for a little while or whatever. It made it feel like there was some level of control, some level of predictability. Whereas, you know, with a die, it's no matter how much you want to think once you've rolled a one three times in a row (laughs) that you're going to not roll a one again. Well, that's not how dice work. Right. That's not how probability (laughs) with dice works. So that drives me a little bit batty. And I think back to the D&D adventure system games. They're just roll to resolve but i guess because they are so tied into that like role-playing feeling Mm -hmm. that it somehow gets away from it although it's not my favorite way for it to work i've worked on like even some rpg ideas to play with my friends where instead of just playing DD the normal way i've kind of wanted to have something where like you roll the d20 and depending on how you roll depends on like the types of actions you can do or like how successful your action is rather than just you're not successful or you are <laughs> yep. right yeah when a game feels like womp womp yeah like over and over again thankfully in a role-playing setting the dm can like mitigate that if somebody has rolled like 31s in a row you've got to throw them a bone at some point like <laughs> other, i mean that's just misery right yeah nobody's gonna well hopefully nobody is gonna let their player just like Right. Shift in the wind. <laughs> well, and that's actually interesting. So I, it is a bit of a digression, but I really like this story. So a friend of mine refuses to play with critical fumbles because they pointed out that without other forms of mitigation, a 20th level fighter has a higher percent chance per round to roll a critical fumble than a level one fighter <laughs> because they're just rolling more dice per turn, which gives you more chances to roll a one. Hmm. which feels really stupid. Like a level 20 fighter is not going to drop their sword more often than a newbie. And the weird thing about this is I also don't mind dice when it's like in a gambling push your luck element. Yeah, he loves push your luck. Uh, Like when I play Istanbul, I have a very hard time not sticking to the going to predict a number and roll the dice strategy and get a bunch of money that way. And I think that's because it's the inherent nature of I am gambling and rolling that just feels thematic. Like I just played Las Vegas and that's nothing but rolling dice. And But you do get some choice because you're picking out which dice of the dice you roll you get to use. Right, you have agency. But something about gambling with dice makes it feel okay if it's random because I feel like it's the true nature of it where like if I'm a skilled person doing a thing, the probability shouldn't be just Donna die. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah. That feels like a pretty good list. I think we all sort of generally acknowledged where we were coming from. Yeah. I think so. So, well, there you go. I mean, that's uh, that's a look at some of our least favorite game mechanics that are out there. We did not have time to get to our favorite game mechanics today, uh, but be on the lookout for that in a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope that you enjoyed it. This week, we are going to be streaming some Charterstone, game number nine, actually, on Twitch on Wednesday, and then we will be streaming Gloomhaven on Friday. We usually start between 7.30 and 8 p.m. Eastern time, so so be sure to go to twitch.tv slash dragonsdemise to check us out there. And of course, be sure to join us next week for another episode of Dragon's Demise.